0: Welcome back to Tech Talk. I'm Julia Beauchamp. I'm here with CSO senior writer J.M. Porup. We're talking deep web versus dark web, so stick around. All right, J.M., thank you so much for joining us today. So we are here to dispel the myths around the deep web versus dark web. They are two different things, but both can sound a little ominous. So First, let's tar- talk deep web. What exactly is, falls under the category of deep web?
1: Yeah, well, well thank you for having me, Juliet. So uh, these terms do get used a lot, often in ways that are not precise. Uh, the, the deep web is um, a not very useful term that um, <laughs> uh, refers to anything not indexed in a search engine. So every time you log into Facebook, everything that is on Facebook is deep web. If you log into Amazon and start looking at your reviews or books, everything is deep web because uh, it's it's not um, much of that is not indexed by Google or Bing or what have you. Um, so, I I would uh, you know as a journalist I try to avoid using the word deep web. I think I think it's an imprecise term that doesn't really say what we're trying to communicate. What is it about non-indexed search results that is? interesting or newsworthy or concerning, I've yet to see a good reason to use the term. But if uh, for those who are wondering what it means, it it, it refers uh, generally to non-indexed web material on the web not indexed by a search engine.
0: Right. So exactly like you were saying it's those things it's like your Facebook posts or your bank account information, your email inbox. These are all things that when someone is searching whatever, those are not going to pop up as results because it's sort of you know hidden behind gates or what have you. But And You do make an interesting point about how the deep web is, why do people even talk about the deep web if it's just people's bank account information and people's email inboxes and their Amazon shopping carts? So I think the reason why this sort of deep web, dark web conversation comes up is because the existence of a dark web. So I think maybe uh, the dark web is also something that's not, indexed by traditional search engines
1: that's true um yeah i i I mean you know any kind of why are we even using these terms a little bit of crystal ball where did the term come from Mm -hmm. i i i don't know um if i had to speculate i think you know there has been anxiety uh, uh among the general public um over the last quarter century with regard to um uh, non-standard uses of the Internet. It's not Windows with IE going to a website and using the clicky clicky thing. It's like, you know, something else, Okay. Yeah. something that scares us, that's non-normative in some way that may well be legal, but we don't understand it. So, I mean, Deep Web, Dark Web is that thing that's technical and I don't understand. Which is not a really great place to sit in terms of journalism or tech policy or anything else.
0: Right. The deep web is nothing to be afraid of. And now I'd like to talk about the dark web, which in many cases is also not something to be afraid of.
1: Uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, the, when people say the dark web, what they really mean is the Tor ecosystem of mm-hmm. uh, people accessing content, uh, web content using a... Uh, a uh, Tor-enabled browser, like Tor Browser or Brave, or uh, accessing Tor Onion services, which are only accessible via um, uh, a a Tor-enabled browser. Um, But the thing is, is that what is so dark about Tor that it requires us to give it this very ominous-sounding term? Uh, As a journalist, I use Tor every day, you know. There are uh, tons of legitimate reasons to use Tor, uh, to investigate a competitor, to um, read content censored in your country because you're a journalist or a political dissident. Um, You know, Tor is a dual-use technology. There are people who use Tor to do bad things. You know, there are people who use email and the regular web to do bad things. You know, and and we don't go around trying to sort of you know slander them with this emotionally laden term about you know the dark web, mm-hmm. which seems uh, you know imprecise and unnecessarily almost slanderous to a technology that's inherently dual use.
0: Yeah. So what are some of these practical use cases for using the Tor browser, accessing dot onion websites? I mean, you mentioned a few, but there is so much more to the dark web than illegal marketplaces where you can buy social security numbers and medical records.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, for instance, you can access Facebook uh, via Tor. Facebook has an onion service. Mm -hmm. and has had for several years. The New York Times has an Onion service, so that if uh, the the country you're in is blocking the New York Times, but not blocking Tor, you can go to to, uh, the Times Onion service to get uh, a much more difficult to censor uh, copy of of the news. Um, You know, as, as a journalist, if I'm investigating company X, maybe I don't want my IP address appearing in their logs so they know that I'm looking at their website. Uh, You know, maybe I I want to have a a, a more anonymous browsing experience where my ISP, for instance, you know, ISPs in America can now record and sell your browsing history, uh, which is um, creepy, among other things. Whereas if you're accessing everything over Tor, all your ISP can see is the fact that you're using Tor and there's nothing to record or to sell. So there's all sorts of reasons why one might... Reasonably want to use Tor with no malicious agenda of any kind.
0: Now, I'd like to talk a little bit about how Tor works because, unlike the deep web, which is, as we've previously established, just these things that are hidden behind these gates—your medical rec- your medical records, your your personal medical records, your email inbox, what have you—that is something that you can access. Other people can't access through Google. But how can you access these dot .onion websites? How exactly, I mean, obviously you use Tor, but how does Tor work to conceal your IP address?
1: Right. So uh, there's, there's, there's two ways. The first is the, the, the traditional Tor browser uh, to website connection. Uh, well, let's say I'm going to idg.com or csonline.com. Um, uh, my my Tor browser will, will bounce that connection to three different uh, randomly selected Tor nodes before arriving at CSO Online. And in this way, uh, CSO Online would not know, well, CSO actually blocks Tor Browser, uh, I've tried. But for, for the sake of argument, if we were not blocking uh, Tor users, they would be unable to see uh, the or, um, the IP address of origin and connect my identity with that particular browsing session. Um, uh, Onion services remain in the Tor cloud, as it were. Like I can use a regular browser to visit CSO online uh, and and Tor browser, whereas the only way to access an Onion service is over Tor because uh, the destination is inside the Tor cloud, as it were. It's on a a Tor Onion service node. which also prevents things like BGP attacks and so forth and so on. So there are both security as well as privacy properties to using Onion service.
0: That's a great point that you can use Tor Browser to access not only just these dot .onion websites, but just the web as we know it, the open web. What would you call that?
1: Uh, Well, I mean, uh, as someone who uses Tor every day, I would call it a little bit frustrating because Mm -hmm. of the large numbers of services that block Tor users like What's the argument for it, for blocking Tor? Uh, You know, I mean, uh, it is certain. I think there's two arguments. The the first is if you're in a business of engaging in surveillance capitalism, like, for instance, Google or Facebook, you really want to know who people are so that you can track them. And Tor makes it more difficult to track people. So the first is purely economic. If we can't track people, we can't make money off them. So we want to make it hard for people to avoid being tracked. We want, you know, from their point of view, it's important to push back against ad blockers, important to push back against Tor, because those things make their, their economic business model harder to sustain. Yeah. Um, the second is that, you know, there is a certain amount of abuse and spam and criminal activity that happens over Tor. i I would not even hesitate to say it was a significant minority of that traffic but there is there is a a statistically significant percent of that traffic that is in fact uh, abuse or spam or or something nefarious and uh in many cases uh these companies Prefer just to avoid the hassle of trying to sort out the good from the bad, and throw them all out, rather than trying to to find ways to give access to people who are visiting a site in good faith, um, and as uh, compared to those who are or not.
0: Got it. Well, thank you so much, Jim. This is very, it's interesting. I really like your point about the deep web, how it's just, it's nothing to be scared of, especially. It's just that hidden information. Do you have any closing thoughts, deep web versus dark web, before we let you go?
1: Uh, You know, I I would just encourage people, especially uh, other journalists, to to use words in a precise way to say what you mean. You know, if you want to say deep web, then maybe saying something like, you know, the web that doesn't get indexed, like mm-hmm. Facebook and your bank account, like that is a clear, uh, fact-based, technically sound, non-hyperbolic phrase. If you mean dark web, well, why are you using that phrase? Are you FBI PR? Well, if you're doing PR for the FBI, that's probably a great term. But if you're, you know, trying to be, if, if you're trying to engage an honest conversation about technology the use of Tor and its dual-use properties, then, you know, it would be far more reasonable and fair to express that in a, you know, less hyperbolic way and say, you know, we mean Tor, Tor users, the Tor ecosystem, as opposed to, you know, the bugaboo scary dark web, which I feel is unnecessarily um, hyperbolic.
0: Got it. Well, thank you so much, Jam. Really appreciate it.
1: Always a pleasure. Thank you, Juliet.
0: Thanks. And thank you all for watching this episode of Tech Talk. If you liked this video, be sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel. We'll also have a link below to a previous video, a little explainer that we did about the dark web. So be sure to check that out. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by IDG Communications Incorporated.